on this episode of Team Building Saves the World. HR is probably one of those few corporate functions that really is a sign of its time. Okay. Literally to this day, that's what my parents think I do. They have no idea. My grandmother too, she's like, I still have no idea what you do. <laughs> I won't speak specifically to FUDA where we're kind of killing it, but broadly speaking, our number one challenge is retention. <laughs> yeah. And we see this a lot, even in um, women's empowerment discussions and, and women in business wanting to have the full package. And you just kind of wish we could fly, be together and have those, you know, team bonding experiences that are really kind of irreplaceable. Hello, team. It's me, your old friend, Rich Rennensland, host of Team Building Saves the World, the show where I speak to the leaders and innovators in employee wellness and corporate culture on how it reflects in the world of today. And today, we're discussing the future of human resources with the VP of People at FUDA, Emily Karatke, and the Director for Employee Engagement for Legion Technologies and host of the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, Tracy Chernoff. But first, I need to share some love with my supporters at Team Bonding. If your team is ready to experience teamwork through the power of play, then visit teambonding.com to learn more. Now, team, join me in welcoming my guests, Emily Karatke and Tracy Chernov. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for coming on. That was actually a small group of people I keep chained up under my desk their entire job just to applaud you. <laughs> I hope you're paying them. Uh, a little bit. I, I feed them. Is that enough? I don't have an yeah. HR, so these are things I don't do. All right. Well, welcome to both of you. Uh, what I'd like to do first is to allow my team to get to know you just a little bit better. So, Tracy, we'll start off with you. Uh, how did you get started in human resources, and, and what was it about that that drew you in? Like so many people, I fell into HR. A lot of people have this story. I actually started at Target. I was an executive team leader for guest experience, which basically means I was a salaried manager managing other managers that <laughs> led, you know, the the guest facing parts of Target. And I was in a huge store, one of the largest in the company in New Jersey. And I had started right out of college. It was a great leadership role. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And through these, you know, the first six months, I started to gain this exposure to HR for the first time, actually. And I had always been in different leadership roles in college and high school and in things like that. And I didn't realize how closely connected that experience was like growing up to HR in like a retail environment, especially where, you know, you're in the, I was in the store. I was like super involved. Like when you work at a big box, like target, you have to know and learn everything. And so after about six to eight months, I was actually promoted to an HR ETL or executive team leader. And that was when the journey started. And actually it's credit to my dad because I was like trying to decide, do I want to go to the store manager route or do I want to go this HR route? He was like, you really like everything about HR. You talk about it all the time. That's going to be like the career for you. There's a career in store management too, but like 
go for it. This is what you talk about all the time. And thank nice. goodness I listened well that day because I don't always. And <laughs> I followed my dad's uh, advice. And that was kind of the start of the journey. And after about four years at Target, I moved to a fashion, luxury fashion company. And I was an HR business partner there. And then by the time I left there, after about four and a half years, I was a director of HR for North America. So now I'm in a tech company focused on employee engagement. And it's been an amazing journey. And like you mentioned, I have my podcast. So HR runs deep over here. <laughs> Very nice. What about you, Emily? How deep is HR in your bones? Well, it's deep. It's funny. Tracy has a similar story to my own. I studied um, music in college naturally. It's a fitting, you know, um, segue into HR. But I graduated with a degree from a liberal arts college and I fell into my first job at a Fortune 500 company. I, you know, I needed, I needed a job. I needed some money. I had a connection to um, a great company here in Chicago, and it was in a department. It was in compensation and benefits, and I literally didn't even know what compensation meant. It's so obvious to me now, but at the time, I think, is if that's pay, like, why don't they just call it pay? But I started in comp and benefits. I had a lot of opportunities at that time and in that company over the 10 years that I was there um, to try new things, to take on new roles. My next move after common benefits was leadership development and succession planning. I was assigned to go here and there and everywhere on interesting assignments, strike contingency planning at one of our business units that was under a strike threat, you know, getting new business units off the ground in New York City. And I really cut my teeth in a lot of different areas while I was there. And the one thing that I was sort of missing after many years um, in this, the CHRO said to me, he said, you know, he said, we got a lot on your resume. You can do anything you want, but you need global experience. The next move you make, make sure it's global. Hmm. So I, I moved to management consulting in, a internal, um, in an internal HR role, but at a global management consulting firm. And that gave me the opportunity to do just that and, and support HR in other in North America, but also in other countries. My role after management consulting was at a financial services company, again, in a global capacity, leading talent development. Around that time, I had my first child and was ready to make another move. And this was a few years ago. And I thought, you know, I could head up HR. I've checked a lot of boxes. I want to stay in Chicago. Chicago's got a lot of great tech startup opportunities that that would afford me, you know, this, I could go smaller and really get my hands dirty in, in every way and be a real partner to the executive team. And that's exactly what I did at FUDA. Very good. But let's actually talk now, uh, Emily, I'm going to ask you to continue. How would you define HR? Because for a lot of folks out there, I'm sure it all has a different definition. I mean, I'm also, I, I'm a gig worker. I'm, I'm a performer and entertainer through most yeah. of my life which means that I have had to have the corporate job that pays for my career choices. Uh, so yeah. my experience with HR is, oh, you need this paperwork signed, bring it to HR. That's really yeah. all that I knew. So when yes, we're- your, your, your personnel department needs you to sign some <laughs> Exactly, forms. exactly. I yes. mean, I was looking up in the, uh, whether it was a hundred years ago when it was the Workers' Welfare Association, then you're talking mm. about the labor management movement of the 1920s to personnel mm -hmm. departments yeah. in the 60s and 70s, then HR. Yes. That I'm, yeah. What is it? You know, HR, Just I'm just thinking this for the first time, but, but HR is probably one of those 
few corporate functions that really is a sign of its time Okay. that, you know, it, because it has evolved and really even like what's in a name, like it used to be called, you know, I mean, when I was growing up personnel, yeah. but growing up, I mean, as a kid, then it was human resources and then human capital management was sort of the buzz term for a while. And now, now we're talking about people, people operations. I mean, my title right. is vice president of people. And I usually tell people that means I'm the head of HR because they don't always <laughs> necessarily connect those dots, but it's also just a sign of, of how the, I think culturally we've evolved, but here's how I would define HR. Mm. Um, and maybe I'll start with how I, I don't define it because I know Tracy gets this all the time too, which is the minute people know that you're in human resources, they say, oh, so you hire and fire people. And I, you know, I think earlier in my career, I took that a little more seriously. And I, my answer is always, no, <laughs> I don't do that. Um, my role, and I actually genuinely believe this, and I think this is why this role is well suited for me. I genuinely feel my calling in this role is to enable individuals to have the best, most rewarding career where we are that they can, that when they leave and everybody leaves eventually, mm -hmm. that they have eked out the most value from this experience, from this corporate experience. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to help individuals do is just have the best time, have the best career, be developed, do the things that that are interesting to them. If they're not a good fit, let's find a better fit here or elsewhere. And let's just make sure you're getting the most value out of this experience. Um, and you have the most rewarding, fulfilling career that you can. That's important to me. I think in my role now also as a partner to leadership and as an active member of leadership, right. my role is also in HR and people to help get things done. If something needs to occur, some business initiative needs to be done, how can we do that in a way that treats our people fairly and with respect? And of course, it's legal and checks all those boxes. But I want to be a facilitator and not a Mr. No. I can't do that because of these reasons. Sure. Um, it's really like, okay, that's important to the business. Having a successful business is important to our people. And so how can we get that done in the right way. Okay. Now, Tracy, you're, of course, you are listed as the director of employee engagement. So yes. how would you say that that rounds out into the HR umbrella? I have to first say that when Emily mentioned, you know, that it's like the reaction is, oh, you hire and fire. Literally to this day, that's what my parents think I do. They have no idea. My grandmother, too, she's like, I still have no idea what you do. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, I tell you, it's just not my fault if you don't understand it. You tell people why they um, can't have dental. <laughs> we're Right. <laughs> we're, we're trying, we're trying to help with the understanding. No, but I mean, the, what I think is so important to think about too, with HR is that so often we are this, we are a function of the business, a piece of the business, not mm -hmm. separate from right. it. Right. Um, that is often, um, dehumanized. And this is really where I try with, with my podcast too, to like bring the human back. Yeah. We are talking about human beings that run a function of the business, just like finance, just like marketing, just like operations, right? Mm -hmm. And yet 
the flack that we get. There are so many more stigmas and I'm not saying that it's for an improper reason. There are definitely stigmas for certain reasons and it's part of our evolution. And I think it's part of the reason why we have become this people operations, uh, you know, function. And I love that analogy that you made Emily around, like it's a sign of the times. Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree. And when I think about my role to really specifically answer your question here, you know, this is the first time that I'm not in like a director, business partner specific, like generalist type of role that's overseeing all elements of, you know, HR and the function. Yeah. But I have to tell you, I'm the kind of person that colors outside of the lines anyway. So it's not gotten away from me. I always still touch all the parts of HR. Just it's natural in my personality. But um, <laughs> really, when we think about HR, and I can only underpin what Emily's already shared, that we are talking about what human beings in an organization are taking away. Are we putting them back out into the universe as better people, more equipped, more productive, more knowledgeable, or are we sending them out with having a really terrible experience? And it's not necessarily our doing all the time. Right. I always say that HR is like the original influencer. So often we're the ones that don't necessarily manage many, if any, individuals, but we have to influence an entire organization mm. to change, to transform, to adopt new things, to think differently. I mean, we it, it's part of the reason why there can be stigmas around being in HR because there's a perception that we're playing both sides of the fence when in reality, our job is to take a step back, look objectively at what the situation is, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, succession planning, talent development, or even um, planning compensation levels, for example, like all of that has to be done with a, a an objective approach, one that's thinking about all of these moving parts, while also and, and that's really focused on the business, mm -hmm. but while also looking at the employee and how we can get them to be their best selves. So that's how I see my role. I, I really see it as just an extension of what I've always done with a more specific title. And I get to do some fun things too, like put on some programs, which, which is kind of nice because I haven't necessarily been able to do that. And, you know, we're, we're a bit of a smaller team. So we all kind of have to gear up and support one another. Um, and we all kind of color outside of the lines, but really thinking about HR, I think the, the essence of HR is that it, a good HR professional is going to be someone that can comfortably operate in the gray area by building really trusting, strong relationships while yeah. also being a really strong business partner and with strong business acumen. Yeah, because when I was coming up with when we were discussing this episode, Anna and I, my producer, the first question that came to my mind, and I didn't want to ask it because it always sounded it, it sounded cynical in my own head, is does HR work for the company and sort of in a way of just keeping their employees moving in the direction the company wants to go? Or does HR work for the employees, keeping their benefits moving along in the company over what the company might be considering mm. as their main direction? That is a, Rich, I'm sorry. That, I was just going to, didn't mean to cut you off. There. No, no, that please. is a chicken and egg. That is a chicken and egg question. <laughs> okay. Because it's, because I think the answer is both. Mm -hmm. You, your, our role is to help lead a successful company mm -hmm. and make business decisions and get everyone marching in the same direction and clarify priorities and vision and set goals and align them and make sure people understand them. So they're engaged. And those are all things that are really in the best interest of the company, but what's a company without its team. Sure. And our number one challenge right now 
broadly speaking, I won't speak specifically to Fuda where we're kind of killing it, but <laughs> broadly speaking, our number one challenge is retention. <laughs> yeah. And you can't do one without the other. And if you want to retain people, right, there, there's a lot of talk about, you know, why do people leave? Well, it's, they leave because of managers. They leave because, you know, of uh, uncertainty. They leave because of um, opportunity. And the latest, and I just heard this today, the Microsoft um, workforce report just out. So the number one reason today that employees are leaving is uh, for professional development opportunities, either yeah. lack of where they are or to gain more, you know, the, uh, on the, in making a move. So I think, I think it's both. And I can just, I can just think back to so many conversations with company leaders here at Fuda, where it's like, my role in those moments is representing both and making sure that, Hey, if we're talking about the business. We can't lose sight of our people. If we're always talking about the people. It's like, yeah, but why are we really doing this? It's, mm-hmm. it's for the business. So that's a great question. I don't think it's a cynical one. I think it's a, a question yeah. of um, balancing those needs. I agree. And you know, the HR is one of those unique functions of the business where the people that are like us in HR who are focused on, you know, operating in that gray are also employees. So we don't, we, we want the benefits to benefit us too. And this is where it's like, you know, when, when someone, you know, sometimes people will make a comment like, oh, I thought you were going to be like one of those HR people. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, that, I don't know if that's a compliment or if I'm just hurt, you know, cause it's like, why did you think <laughs> I was going to be like that? Well, you also, know, the, like, the sitcom office did not do HR any favors. There's a lot <laughs> no. of, you know, oh, just, so just negative stereotypes about um, the it's kind so of people true. that work in HR. Cause I get the same thing, Tracy, like, oh, you're not uncool. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I didn't know you were going to be at the, at the holiday party until yeah. four in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Why did you think I wasn't going to be like, I'm offended that you didn't think I was cool enough to be here with you at this time. Well, you ladies, know? you're but, both like, this is you're both very cool just for coming on the show today. Thank you. Um, but I do need <laughs> to take a quick step away because, of course, I need to tell my team out there about a company I am very proud to be a part of myself. Team Bonding. Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? They've created a catalog of innovative events using the power of play as a learning tool and tapping into the correlation of work and play. From scavenger hunts to Jeopardy and so much more, the team bonding of activities, be it live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. So visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team bonding, when you want seriously fun results. And we are back with Tracy and Emily. Okay, so let's keep going here. Tracy, as we all know what HR may have been like about 10 years ago, everything changed within the last couple of years. Not only did we have Mm -hmm. a pandemic where suddenly your job became talking to your personnel as little squares aligned neatly Mm -hmm. across your computer screen, but we also came across what I'm, through many of the articles I've been reading in preparation for this show, were the biggest crisis HR had to had to handle the Great Resignation. Let's talk about that. What did you face, and how do you handle it? To be confirmed, because I think that we are still amidst the Great Resignation, yes. just in a different 
way. It's evolved in so many ways. So to set the stage here a little bit, I was still working in retail. I was out of stores. Mm. Um, when I left Target, I was no longer in stores, but um, I was working for a, a luxury fashion retailer on the corporate side and supporting, directly supporting um, the stores, the retail population. So mm. it we it hit us in a way that, I mean, I, I don't think I'll ever have, I hope I will never have an experience like that again, where we're closing stores and managing a, a health crisis and everything in between. I mean, it was the probably the greatest challenge and learning opportunity of my career. But the labor market became so intense. And I feel I think that the great resignation there was there were things about the labor market that were just bound to come to a catalyst during that time, you know, in terms of even fair pay benefits, access to, to maternity and paternity leaves that are, you know, more equitable. Even if you think about people wanting flexibility within their lives, um, this is kind of tapping into what we do at my current company, Legion Technologies and what we provide, but really thinking about some of the strains on the labor market before the pandemic, Mm -hmm. everything just kind of came to a head. And so when I think about that time, I think it just shined a light on what already existed. People were already frustrated that they weren't getting the access to wages that they wanted, specifically thinking about these frontline employees, especially who make up 58% of working eligible Americans, actually 58% Mm. of working eligible Americans are earning an income on an hourly basis. So when you think about that percentage, it's the majority of Americans and they were, they continue to be greatly impacted by minimum wage laws and, and compliance laws and things like that. So again, I think it all came to a head, but what I think is so interesting is that the power dynamic shifted. So we had, you know, employers like, yeah, we're going to offer you this. And, you know, you have to work nights, nights, holidays, weekends, especially in retail. And you're lucky (laughs) to be here. And uh, everything, (laughs) everything changed. And people are like, you're lucky to have me. And so this power dynamic shift required and necessitated businesses to be like, oh, no, we have to retain these people. And I mean, everyone, we know what the great resignation was like. People were leaving left and right in the droves because COVID not only like made us think differently about what we wanted out of of our lives, it called into a question, even like mortality, right? We're thinking about life as we know it. And so now you have people who are already annoyed at their employers, potentially just like, I'm not dealing with this and you're not giving me what, what, what I want. And so now employers are still in this shift they're still trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we solve this problem? So thinking about where we are today, the great resignation has definitely slowed, but we're still Mm. seeing, especially as Gen Z enters the workforce, this like almost gig-like sentiment. People want ultimate flexibility. They want like maximum, whatever they need, maximum autonomy to do that. That's at least the impression that I get from the research that I've done into why it still exists that, you know, this labor market challenge exists today. Mm. And then on top of that, we also went through a social justice crisis, not even a crisis, but an awakening, right? So you have all of these things coming to a head. It was really challenging. And I think HR specifically has made some changes to accommodate needing to support people better. We're seeing DE&I roles, we're seeing culture roles, employee engagement Mm -hmm. roles, people operations only, you know, like, so those things, everything has changed as a result of all of these major life moments happening for everyone around the world. Yeah. On the podcast, we've spent so many episodes 
talking about not only the Great Resignation, but with it, the Great Migration, as people were moving away from the cities, trying to go back to their families to help take care Mm -hmm. of one another. Plus, you've got your multi-generational workforce going on here, with millennials still making up the largest percentage, but not necessarily the most vocal of the percentages of it. I mean, I made the joke earlier uh, when I was talking about how, you know, your job in HR is tell me why I can't have dental yet. Emily, let's, let me throw this to you, though. What kind of benefits are people looking for now when they're coming into work? And how has that changed? I think um, if I can answer, Rich, your question more broadly, just what are they looking for okay. in general? On the benefit side, I think it, it goes, and this is sort of not post-pandemic, this is sort of really pre-pandemic, mm. too, that we were seeing this, and to Tracy's point, you want to join an organization that checks all the sort of basic boxes. Right. Flexibility was one of them, although that looked a lot different two and a half years ago. Yeah. But there's also an expectation that you care about my wellness to the extent that there are wellness benefits mm-hmm. and community benefits. You know, Tracy mentioned that there were some social reckoning um, that occurred over the last couple of years. I think what does your company stand for? I think is right. also part of that overall package Especially that among the a new joiner yeah. is signing up for yeah. when they say yes to your company. So I think that those are important. And, and as Tracy said, they're kind of in the driver's seat and they've really helped inform those of us who spearhead those social responses and to respond and to react and, and to listen. Wellness, to be very honest, and this is maybe an unpopular view, but I was never a fan of wellness mm. programs before mm. I, that, to me, they were always tied with health insurance Yes, and uh, you could get money back on your premiums, nothing. but it seemed, they yep. were, they seemed kind of like a gimmick and that you're just trying to get a bunch of data, biometric data on me as a person. So I don't think I'm going to sign up for this. Um, and so <laughs> I worked at companies that had those, but I, I was pretty vocal, even in my my role, that I I don't think that these really serve our employees. No data suggested that they are helpful. And I'm not really sure why we're pushing these wellness when we really are just trying to decrease our insurance costs. Wellness means something totally different now. And I'd love to hear Tracy's thoughts on this too, but but from a benefit perspective, just you know, again, more broadly, it's people want to know that they are working at a place that cares for them, right? One of the things that we just rolled out at FUDA are wellness days. Now, this is not a new concept. We're getting on the bandwagon here, but I think it's really, <laughs> it sends a great message to our team that like, we understand that like, yeah, there's there's PTO, there's vacation and travel, and you should do those things. But sometimes you just need a day. And we've needed days, certainly in the last 24 months. Yeah, We all have. And so we, we've instituted wellness days. And here's what we mean by that. Here's how we want you to use them. We want you to use them. And we kind of say like, hey, you haven't taken your wellness day yet. Mm-hmm. Work with your manager, get that scheduled because we really think it's important for you to not be here for a minute and to truly unplug and to do whatever it is that you need to do to um, not burn out, to do things that are important to you, to take care of home business, whatever. Those kinds of benefits, and you can call them that, I think are one of the ways that the world and our world has evolved pretty fast over the last couple of years. Mm. Yeah, I I agree. It's interesting when you started off, you were talking about how all of this has been so tied to benefits and that people have this basic expectation or expectation for basic needs, right? right? So I see like so many things that we used to call benefits 
as just standards and expectations. And now it's like, okay, well, what are, what's the, the new frontier for a benefit for tomorrow? Like what is really truly going to be a benefit? And I love that example of wellness days, you know, from a wellness perspective, I see it as physical, mental, and emotional. So physical wellness is like, how are you giving someone the opportunity to go for a walk during the day? Like, how do we make sure that people aren't back to back sitting on zoom all day, right. every day, or maybe even beyond that, how are we getting people out? If, if Whether it's team building or a physical movement challenge or something like that, right? Physical. Emotional to me is like psychological safety. It might even be mental too, the, a crossover between emotional and mental. Mm -hmm. Like how are we creating a, a, a safe environment for people? And then also that opportunity for them to share their ideas, to be themselves. I always say this um, pretty probably every day, this might become my new mantra. I might have to get a shirt or something where it's like you, you are not a different person between work and home. You are just one person. So I, I'm not Tracy at work and Tracy at home, if I can't be myself, then what am I doing here? And so we have to give people that room to be themselves and to be comfortable being themselves. And I realized too, it's really difficult if you're working, like I work fully remotely, we don't even have an office. And so you can come in and you don't know anyone. How do you get someone to see who you are? And it's through, I think, all of these corporate programs, like saying, we want you to be who you are. We want you to take wellness days. We're giving you time to, you know, give back to yourself through a reimbursement that can go toward a workout class, right? Something like that. And to kind of uh, close out this idea of physical, emotional, mental, I think the mental piece is, is also this, like, I don't want to say it's a trend, but I, I do think recognizing the shift pre pandemic to where we are now, people want more separation. They don't, I don't think that people want to be like our, you know, like past generations, let's say that we're just working, 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 working constantly Right. where, you know, your, your parents are working, maybe you're not really hanging out with them much. And, and I think that the pandemic really did turn this on its head. And this is just a reflection of what people want out of life. And they want to have really successful careers and they also want to have really successful home lives. And we see this a lot, even in um, women's empowerment discussions and, and women in business wanting to have the full package to be a mom or to be a caregiver or whatever that might look like for them and to be at the head of their department or running, you know, being a CEO. And, you know, it, it, you'd think that it wouldn't come up in 2022, but it comes up a lot because of access to leaves and different things like that, that can make it challenging for a woman in business sometimes to take that time or feel like they can take that time and continue to, to climb the ladder. So to me, again, it's physical, emotional, mental, and creating that space for all of those things to happen. How do you as HR reps guarantee that you can give somebody who's coming on board even access to all of these things, but still remain fiscally responsible? Because you know, the CEOs and the CFOs, they don't want to give that much back. They'd rather give Look, alternatives I, or, or what have yeah. you. Yeah. <clears throat> the, um, they, I say a lot to my managers and leaders as we're, as we're, you know, working through coaching situations or mm -hmm. trying to, you know, sell the company to somebody we really, really want to get on board or retain someone that we think is awesome. There are, are so many things. And in fact, probably the most important things that you can do for people on your team that cost no money. It just doesn't have to cost money. So for example, I mentioned wellness days at FUDA. Yeah. We already had unlimited PTO. It was unlimited. So all we said is we're just going to take a day. For those not in the know, can, can you define PTO for me? 
Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, so we have unlimited paid time off. Thank you. It's sort of a use what you need um, vacation policy. And our issue is not that people take too much of it. It's that they don't take enough of it. Mm. And so, and, and that's not unique to food. That's sort of unique to yes. this. Um, it, it looks really good on paper and we recognize yeah. that, but it's not always very good in, in implementation because people don't feel like they can take that time. They're not entitled to that time in a way that had they accrued it, they would have earned it and they could use it. Right. Um, and so one of the things that we do at our companies encourage people to take time off. So we carved out a little day and said, look, this is also something that we think is important. And we know you have, you've told us it's important to you. So that's a wellness day, but did it cost us any more money? I mean, I don't let finance hear me say this, but I don't think so. Like yeah, I think it's not. all part of this unlimited, <laughs> um, this unlimited pay time off package, but, but more than just that, which you actually could tie dollars to mm. what employees want is usually not often not compensation. And it's often not a new paid benefit. They want opportunities. They want to know where they're going and want to have career discussions. They want increased scope of authority. They want new challenges. They want exposure to senior leadership. They want these things that don't cost any money. What they require is a plan. They, They do cost time, mm-hmm. you know, time for uh, their leader yeah. and leaders of the company to, to be invested and to have conversations about, hey, we think Tracy is great. Here's what she says is important to us. We've had these conversations with her. So we are going to make sure that over the next four to six months, she gets A, B, and C because that will retain her and that saves money. Mm-hmm. So I think there's so much that we have at our fingertips that is really nothing that ever needs to be on the general ledger. I totally agree with everything you just said. And I will also add, whenever someone says that, the best response is to think about, you know, just ask them to think about their best experience in a store, whether it's like a Trader Joe's or maybe Target, you have a great experience, right? The the, the employees there were helping you out. They asked you how your day was. They were giving you great service. They're not giving you great service and letting you spend more money because they're miserable at work. They're giving you great service and great experience because they're happy at work. So when you keep your employees happy, when you keep them engaged, when you hear what they need, you ask for their feedback and you actually act on that feedback and you act on on that in, uh, you know insight, then you keep them happy, you keep them uh, retained, you give them that access, that opportunity. And that in turns, it makes you, it, not only it saves you money because the cost of attrition is astronomical, yeah. but it also increases and generates money. Every business is reliant on some stream of revenue, right? You're relying on a customer to spend money at some level, whether it's a grocery store or a SaaS you know, solution software company. Right. So the, the better you are at taking care of your employees, the better they will take care of your customers. And that is a surefire way to make money. And I've always said to my leaders in my retail career, especially where it was like really the, probably the most impactful when I, I had a team at that time. And that was that if you focus on your employees before anything else, you'll never need to worry about a business metric because the business metrics will follow. I guarantee you, I I would put money on this because if you are truly focused on building up your team, giving them the opportunities to develop, to learn, to grow, 
giving them an environment where they feel safe, but also challenged and, and thought about their, everything is just going to, to grow around it and blossom around them. So from the sounds of it, it, it seems to just all boil down to recognition. Is that what you'd agree? Like mm. they're, they just want to know that their efforts are amounting to something and being seen. I think it's like, it's, it's recognition, but branched off of communication, transparency, mm-hmm. clarity for what yeah. it's all affecting. Like, how does it, how does my job impact the global organization or the organization that I'm a part of? And also, are you seeing me? Like, mm-hmm. if I'm putting in 40 plus hours of work, do you see it? Do you yeah. care about it? Do you yeah. actually appreciate it? Or, you know, if you don't tell me to do something different, don't, don't let me waste my time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Emily, let me ask you this. What's the future of HR going to look like? Like you said, there's been a huge change that all happened very recently, but it is a constantly evolving part of an organization. So what do we see? Let's let's look like five, 10 years into the future. I think we're on the path. I think five, 10 years from the future, we're going to see that we are better at automating things, you know, that are big time sucks for, for individuals whatever, in whatever role they're in, mm. but also particularly in HR, we've been on a path for a long time, my whole career, improving, um, you know, HR technology, improving our use of data. So that those aren't like new concepts, but we have come a long way. We just still have a really long way to go. I think we've talked a bit today about the partnership that HR has with the business and helping mm. make important business decisions. I think that is a sign that we continue, for example, to move away from the sort of tried and true, you know, expense control and efficiencies and of our human capital. Mm -hmm. And we're really more interested in, as Tracy just said, like, how does my work impact the bigger picture? And seeing clearly the direct correlation between your work and revenue and profits and productivity. I think that transparency and HR's role in providing that transparency and communicating um, those things will continue to be, you know, what we work on over the next, you know, phase of our, of our profession. I think remote work, you know, I mean, talk about a seismic Mm. shift that, um, and I hear all the time people say, oh, we're never going back to the way it was. and, And I hope we don't. Quite frankly, you know, personally, because, um, you know, again, as Tracy said, like whatever benefits our employees also benefits us. And, and right. I think personally, um, I can speak for myself that it's been a real gift, a real silver lining in the middle of the pandemic to find a new way to effectively work. But we can do better. I think doing Zoom calls and having the sort of, the, you know, boxes of people, as you mentioned, Rich, you know, on mm-hmm. our screen doing training, virtual onboardings in that environment is really hard. And you just kind of wish we could fly, be together and have those, you know, team bonding experiences that are really kind of irreplaceable. So I think, you know, the future of HR, um, in my view, really needs to include how do we get back some of that that we were sort of forced to abandon abruptly, but there are real benefits to it. So I think um, we'll continue to balance how do we provide maximum flexibility, work when it makes sense for you to work. We'll measure your productivity, not your hours. Um, but how do we also be together and bond and create a culture, a consistent culture across 
you know, multiple locations, especially, you know, if you're in multiple cities or multiple countries, I I think those things will continue to be challenging and technology will help enable our ability to do that. But we also might have to get back to basics and find ways to, you know, be together physically. Tracy, anything you want to add? I think that uh, we've seen this a little bit that HR will continue to be a critical investment for an organization. I think we, when I say, I think we see this a little bit because of the shift from the pandemic, needing to have someone managing employee health, needing someone to focus Mm -hmm. on DE&I, all of that, that is a clear example of where there's a need for investment. And actually, I think it was at the end of 2021, there was a survey done by the Bureau of Labor Statistics that like the number of job openings, you know, of all of them, the the job openings that were the most expansive were in the HR function and mm. industry. So of all of the jobs created, not, not necessarily ones that were being filled, but new jobs were HR jobs. And I think that that is an example of what is to come. And I can only hope that organizations will see that the HR team, the function has to be the first order of business, not the last, because sometimes you see this even in like, you know, new businesses, small businesses, startups, that the thought of how we're taking care of people is last. And we want, you know, we want the culture to be there. We want all of that. Like, you know, when I think about a, you know, one person company, they want, they want whoever they bring on to have an amazing experience, which is great. But if you don't outsource that, because we can't be experts at everything, you don't have someone really focusing on how you scale that, or even if you are a huge industry, a huge organization, how you continue to scale that, you know, you're going to miss something along the way. So I hope that we can continue to see that. And then on the other side of things, I can only say ditto to what Emily said with being in person, Mm. working remotely. I love it. I never want to go back to the office again, (laughs) but I would love to meet some of my colleagues in person. And I think that that's where it's like, you know, you get rid of an office, you save all of that capital. How do we reinvest that into annual or biannual all hands or team building events that are a week long somewhere, right? Like, how I was do we about do to that? say, I think you guys just need good team building events. You're just like, us. I can tell you how. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so very much. This was a great conversation that we could just keep going on and on and on and on about. But I know like Emily has to go. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Bring us thank back. you. Yes. Thank you I would, for having us. I would love to have you both on so we can delve a little more deeply into specifics about the topic. But first, let me just say, Thank you again to Tracy and Emily. Uh, Tracy, let's start with you. As you say, you are the host of your own podcast. Where can my team find out more about you? You can follow me on Instagram, LinkedIn, anywhere with the handle HR Tracy. That's H-R-T-R-A-C-I. So any backwards slash, just add HR Tracy and you'll find me. I also have a website, hrtracy.com. You can connect with me anywhere. I appreciate it very much. And Emily, how about you? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn, Emily Karatke. I'm the only one, I promise, with that name. So <laughs> it should be easy to find. And I'd love to connect and, and continue the conversation. I'm obviously passionate about the topic. Fantastic. Ladies, thank you again. But now, I hope you guys are ready. I was telling you about this before, but guess what? It's time for my speed round. <laughs> All about the cheese. All right, ladies, here's how this is going to work. I am going to be playing some music that is exactly 60 seconds in length. In that time, I'm going to ask you a series of completely innocuous questions. I will ask either one of you specifically, or if I just ask a question with no name attached to it, the first one to answer gets the answer in. 
Your objective, working together, is to try to answer as many questions as possible within that 60 seconds. If you are feeling competitive at this. all, the number to beat is 14. Okay. Yeah. Oh it's, it's a lot. A it's lot. a lot. So if you ladies are ready, as soon as you hear the music, I'll ask the first question, and away we go. Emily, tell me the best thing about you. Um, I play the ukulele. Tracy, on a scale of one to 10, how strict were your parents? Hey. Emily, who's the best teacher you've ever had? Uh, Mrs. Strickfield. She taught me everything I know about writing. Tracy, do you have any pets? Yes, two dogs, Dreidel and Peanut. Emily, do you have any children? I have three, seven, four, and one. They're amazing. Oh. Emily, which one's your favorite? Oh, uh, pass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tracy, if your pet could actually speak with you, what would you like them to say? I love you. Oh, nice. Uh, how would you describe your best friend? Fun. Reliable. Um, what historical figure would you like to meet? JFK. What's your no, favorite ice cream? Favorite ice cream? Yep. Mint I'll, chocolate chip. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you because mine is also mint chocolate chip. Oh, it's the best. Oh, I do love mint chocolate chip. Yeah. yeah. But what's your favorite, Tracy? If it's not chocolate. your chocolate. You, okay. Simple. It's Classic. great. Classic. I, I yeah, I'm a purist. You know, I just yeah, <laughs> love it. Can't go wrong with chocolate. Well, ladies, you got ten. Oh, come on. Give us another round. Next time you're yeah. on, you'll get another round. Hey, that's good. Or you that know what, fun. Tracy, invite me on your podcast. We'll play whatever game you want to play. I know. Hey, we could do that. <laughs> if I didn't have so many kids, it would have gone faster. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that took a few extra seconds. Uh, once again, that. ladies, thank you so very much. My team out there, please give a huge round of applause to Tracy Chernoff and Emily Karatke. Thank you again, ladies. I look forward to hearing from you and seeing where you go and, and meeting up with you again in the future. But as for you out there, my team, that's it. We put together another episode of Team Building Saves the World. If you've enjoyed this episode, whether you're new to the podcast or an old fan of the show, please be sure to share it with everyone you know, whether they're a coworker, friend, or family. It helps us to share all of this vital information. You can find out all about us, including all past episodes at teambonding.com slash podcast. You can also find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen, we will be there. And if we're not there, go to all the social medias. Find us at Team Bond Podcast. Leave us a message. Tell me where we're not because I want to be where you're listening. Plus, while you're on the social medias, hey, do me a favor. Send us a like, you know, share the, all the information. Tell us what you liked about the show. If you want to hear a future topic on the episode or a future episode for the podcast, let us know that too. I want to hear from you. But most importantly, as we've learned on the podcast today, remember your HR people well. They're trying to take very good care of you, and I want you to take good care of them. But my friends, before we say our final farewells for this episode of Team Building Saves the World, please never forget that if you're within the sound of my voice, you are on my team now, and I am forever going to be on yours. So long, team. I'll see you next time.
It's been said that you learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. So why not put your coworkers to play with the help of the team at Team Bonding? Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? Their catalog of innovative events includes scavenger hunts, Jeopardy, and much more. Each activity, whether live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results.